<laughs> What's up, good people? It's time for another session of that verbal cardio, man. We back. Mm. And as usual, I got my co-host, Water, H2O. Life's elixir. We need water more than you realize. And even if you do realize, I don't think you really respect the gravity of water. Think about, think about medicine. Think about medication. You wholeheartedly, with all your heart and soul, when you go to the doctor, they prescribe medicine to you, you take it wholesale. You'd be like, yes, yes, doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Prescription, take two of these a day, every six hours. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will. But y'all don't view water like that. Y'all don't view water as the necessary medicine of your life and existence. Why do we do that? We got the utmost confidence in drugs, Advil, Motrin, Tylenol, aspirin, penicillin. Whatever you catch chlamydia, whatever you got to take to get rid of that. You know what I mean? The utmost faith, painkillers, all that, heroin, drugs, marijuana, cocaine, meth, liquor, alcohol. But y'all don't view water with that same respect. And water is essential for all of this. Why do we do that? Why do we overlook the backbone of our very existence? We need to stop that, man. Fully take water and make the time for water, man. Everything, everything else you got going on can wait. Because when you die off, when you when your organs fail, when you shut down, when you didn't have enough water in your life, now you're crumbled, now you're dead, now you're in the casket, now you're getting cremated. You overlook water. Don't do it, man. Water's here for you. And we are privileged enough to have access to good water. We are, we are in a privileged lifestyle to where we have good, healthy water at our fingertips. You go you go out, you just buy you a bottle, you're running it at the crib, you got the filters going, you got the purified, you got the springs, you got the distilleds. You got all these options at your disposal. And yet and still, we struggle to to get barely enough water in our day-to-day, man. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? I just want to throw that out there, man. Water. Did you have some water today? Sabrina? I did. Yeah. Sabrina had some water today. Amir, you had water today? Is that the debut? Oh, I was about to say, man. He pulled the unopened bottle out. And I was like, hold on, man. I, need, I got questions. We got Sabrina. On the ones and twos back here. Actually, You're, Amir's on the ones and yeah. twos. <laughs> Sabrina is a producer extraordinaire. Is that right? You're. In the building. Yeah. We back. New York was a. I got my. First of all, I got my patron saints in here. That's first and foremost. Shout out to my patron saints. Ever loyal. Uh, shout out to anybody that's new. Shout out. This name right here. Cardi Nia. I don't, re, I don't remember seeing your name in here. If you are new, welcome. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Afro Geeks. What's up, Afro? Appreciate y'all for pulling up. Um, man, 
New York was a whirlwind. It was epic. It was it was a lot of ups and downs. New York was an absolute whirlwind. Um, crazy what went down in New York. Um, went out to New York a day early uh, because let me tell you something about New York. New York is a city that I drool after. I've always had an affinity for New York because I grew up. What's up, Ashley? I grew up a movie head, right? So growing up a movie head, I was born in 77. So in the 80s, I'm really taking these movies in. A lot of times the movies were set in New York City. So I'm seeing New York City. And mind you, I grew up in Chicago. Chicago ain't no slouch as a city. Like, Chicago is the third largest city in America. But, you know, growing up in the city, it was just like, it, it is what it is. But I'm looking at New York as like, man, everybody's in New York. Everybody's out there. Like, you look at the city, look at all the, look at all the, the, the action and, the, you know, everything is the crime. The, everybody's piled up. The Statue of Liberty, the buildings. Mind you, I live in the city with whole buildings. At one at one point in time, Chicago had the tallest building in the world with the Sears Tower. But I'm still looking at New York like, but 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 they got the Statue of Liberty. So I'm watching these movies and I'm just like, man, that's where all the movies are filmed. Even though they're filming movies in Chicago, I'm just like, nah, nah. But New York. So I'm just like obsessed, right? <laughs> so I'm just like, man, one day, man, one day I'm gonna go to New York and I'm gonna be walking those streets and the steam gonna be coming out the sewer lids and it's just gonna be walking, it's gonna be gritty and I'm gonna have on, you know what I'm saying? It's gonna be robberies and somebody gonna rob me at knife point and they gonna pull it out and, you know. Hey, yo. Man. So I always had this affinity for New York City. Cut to me growing up with hip hop. And then I'm leaning towards the the New York rap, you know, uh, growing up with all this East Coast hip hop, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, you know, uh, even earlier than that, Run DMC, Eric B and Rakim, LL Cool J. It was just audio too. It was like everybody was in New York. And then, you know, of course you had Cats Out West and like Texas and, you know, but it was just like, man, New York was the place to be yet again, right? And I'm just like, man, New York. And I'm still in Chicago, right? So I'm breezing through all this hip hop. It's mad New York. It's mad East Coast. And I'm just like, man, one day, one day. And mind you, I'm not well traveled as a kid. Like we wasn't traveling everywhere. We would go to we would go to Michigan. We would go to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that was the big trip. That's when I really felt, man, I'm international. I would come back to school, man. You don't know nothing about Grand Rapids, Michigan, because you ain't been nowhere. Like I felt like <laughs> I felt like what's dude name that uh, committed suicide? He had that show. He's always traveling. Oh, Anthony Bourdain. I felt like Anthony Bourdain. I felt like, man, you don't know nothing about outside of Chicago. I do. I've been to Indiana, okay? I've been to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Have you? Where have you been? Right? So I'm just looking at New York as this place that, like, man, I could never get to, but one day I will get to. So fast forward again, I'm doing stand-up comedy. 
I'm doing stand-up comedy now. So it's like, man, New York once again looks like the mecca for stand-up comedy. You hear all these comedians like, man, New York is just a different animal, man. New York, man, this is, comedy is just different in New York. Man, them cats coming out of New York. New York, New York, New York. Man, they pay comedians. Man, in New York, you can get $40 here, 100 here, 150 here, 50 there. You do six six mics a night, man. You you coming up in the game. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm just drooling for New York. And then, you know, I see the show Louie on FX. (laughs) And the show comes on. You got Louie walking the streets of New York. So we... We looking at the streets of New York again. I'm like, man, walking in New York, huh? I'm drooling again because I always wanted to be walking in New York. Diggable planets playing in the background. So Louis walking and he gets a he gets a slice of pizza. And then he walks to the comedy cellar, goes down in there and does his comedy. I'm just like, man, this. Mind you, I'm doing comedy in the second largest city in America. And I'm out here in Hollywood. I'm on Sunset. I'm doing the comedy store. I'm doing the Laugh Factory. But I'm still looking at New York like, man, New York. So the comedy seller was on my hit list. Ever since Louis, because I was watching Louis that first season, every episode. I was like, I want to play the comedy seller. God damn it. Because I, you know, I, I, I've been past at every every comedy club in L.A. I was like, but the comedy cellar, I want to do that. I want to be in that room. I want to be in that dark spot. I want to go in that basement and tell jokes. So mind you, when I started coming out to New York, and there would always be a quick in and out for me. Like I never, I never got a chance to spend any real time in New York. It would be a quick in and out. I was like, yo, man, the comedy cellar, I would just go to the comedy cellar and just smell the kind I'll just be outside of the comedy drooling and smelling just comedians like oh you just got off Satan oh mm. and I would smell that residue of them first getting off stage and I'm just in there and I'm just like man I want to do this room so mind you I got Will Savince looking out for me who's a regular at the comedy cellar and I got Artie Fuqua looking out for me who's a regular at the comedy cellar these guys host shows Every week at the Comedy Cellar. Every time I'm in New York and I go to the Comedy Cellar, they are there. So they were like, yo, man, yo, when? We, man, you got to, man. And they introducing me to every single person that walks past. <laughs> every single person that comes in. The, yo, this is Tony Baker. You don't know Tony Baker? Yo, this is Tony Baker. This is Tony Showing me the utmost love. And they were really campaigning to get me in the comedy cellar because to get in the comedy cellar is not easy. So every every trip, Shiraz Small, Yamanika, Jackie Fabulous, they always putting the words in to get me in the comedy cellar. And I sent my little tape to, to, to the woman that books it, no reply. I'm just like, damn, man, you know, it's tough. Finally on this trip. Sorry, I had to take a swig of my smoothie. <laughs> Finally on this trip, I talked to I talked to Will Savince on the phone. This is when I was in Orlando. And he was like, yo, man, um, I host a show at the Comedy Cellar every Wednesday. Come out here Wednesday since you're coming to New York. Just come early. Come out here Wednesday and I'll throw you on the show. And I was like, 
I was like, oh, man, let me see what I can do. Because, you know, it's hard for me to change plans. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, I already had the tickets purchased. I'm just like, what, what you know? And so I was like, this is this is the moment. This is, I got I to gotta, I gotta put my foot on the neck of the things I want. So, um, and you know what? It's just, it's just a testament to step out on faith. When you when you really want something, don't overthink it and step out of your comfort zone and go after it. And this is proof positive of that because I stepped out of my comfort zone, rebooked my flight. It cost me damn near seven hundred dollars. And re- I went out there a day early, hooked up with Will, did his podcast, him and Cypher Sounds. Fun podcast, by the way. I'm not sure when the episode drops, but it was fun. It was funny. Y'all should check it out. Um, and the podcast is at the place where the seller is, just upstairs. We do the podcast. I come back out later that night and do his show. Uh, had a great time. And then... I end up doing the Breakfast Club the next day, the next morning. Uh, shout out to everybody that helped me along the way to get that Breakfast Club interview. Uh, Isaiah Kelly, you know, um, Donald George, um, the cats that they plugged me in with to get on there. There's one name I cannot mention, but she helped me as well. I just can't say her name because she said, don't tell nobody, but you, she knows who she is. And um, I just want to thank everybody that helped with that alley-oop. And the village, of course. When y'all were tagging the Breakfast Club and DJ Envy and Angela Yee and Charlemagne the God, y'all were tagging the hell out of them. And I, it was like a team effort. Um, so I did the Breakfast Club, right? I did my first show at Caroline's Thursday night. New York energy was incredible. The crowd was incredible. The energy was incredible. The show was fantastic. The next morning, Friday morning, I completely lose my voice. I was losing my voice at the end of Thursday night. By the time I went to sleep and woke up, I had zero voice. No voice. I couldn't even talk to Sabrina when I woke up. So I text Brandon and Keenan. I was like, yo, man, my voice is gone. So I was like, all right, man, you just stay in that room. We're going to hold you down. Do not leave the room. You can't go nowhere. You can't. Don't be talking. Don't talk. Cause I talk, I talk for a living. So they brought me. They they went to the store. They got me a humidifier, ginger. They got me several teas. They got me some uh, some what you call this to help me. Uh, they got me melatonin because they were like, you need to go go to sleep. You need to get rest. And mind you, that night I slept for about seven hours, but I woke up no voice. So internally, internally, y'all, I am panicked out. I'm done internally because I'm like, yo, I have four sold out shows coming up. I have no voice. And y'all know me. I don't like I don't like changing plans and I don't like canceling. I do not like canceling gigs. I just don't. I it it I can't do it. I, I hate to cancel gigs. So I have zero voice. So I'm just like, yo, man, uh, Thank you, uh, Giselle. Giselle? Did I say that right? Giselle. Um, had no voice. So I stayed in that hotel room. Sabrina went to Brooklyn to do what she had to do. I stayed in that hotel room. I didn't talk. Uh, Keenan and Brandon Lewis brought me the stuff I needed, and I just sat in that room. 
And I was just up looking at stuff, posting stuff, and I was just like, please, God, let me get my voice back, please. I'm drinking the hell out of tea. I'm tearing the tea up. I'm gargling. I'm drinking tea. I'm putting ginger in there. I'm uh, taking uh, Ricolas, and I'm doing everything. And I get my voice back. Miraculously, my voice comes back. I'm good for the... I'm good for the first show, and I'll make it through both shows, and I'll make it through Saturday shows. Now, Friday night. No, this was Saturday night. Wait, when did I get past at the cellar? Was that Saturday night? That was the final night, Oh, right? yeah, you got past on Saturday. No, on Friday night. It was Friday night because I remember uh, Tabitha was there. Like I remember my friends. They came out Friday. They came out Friday. So yeah, Friday yeah. night. <clears throat> Friday I, night, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We take the subway. By yourself. We took the subway by ourselves. Me, Brandon, Lewis, and Keenan. We take the subway by ourselves to the cellar. And I just wanted to show them the cellar. I just wanted them to pull up to the cellar so they can see. So I show up to the to the Pussycat cellar. There's three different rooms uh, of the comedy cellar. And the, the uh, Pussycat is around the corner. I walk by, I say, what's up to Shiraz Small? Artie walks out. Like, yo, Tony Baker, man, come meet Liz. Come meet Liz right here, right now. Introduces me. Yo, this is. I've been telling you about Tony Baker. And she's just like, Artie, man, it's always something. And so, uh, cut two. He was on her neck about putting me up. He, he, he'd been trying to get me passed for the longest. They say, can you do five minutes? I went up there and did five minutes Got passed at the Comedy Cellar. Liz was like, yo, you're very funny. Hit me up when you're in town. And I was just like, milestone achieved. So that's just proof, y'all, to step out of your comfort zone. Don't overthink. Be be able to to change and ebb and flow and just go for it. And... And one of my milestones got achieved. So it was two milestones: the Breakfast Club, and I got I got passed as a as a as a regular at the Comedy Cellar, and I sold out New York City, and I lost my voice completely. It was just an incredible weekend, all while <laughs> mending a broken heart. It's just it's life, man. So that was that, man. New York. And I ate pizza. I ate regular pizza. And I'm... The pizza wasn't as good as I remembered overall. Yeah, we we didn't really get to... We we were stuck with, like, last-minute, late-night spots. Yeah. So you didn't really get to, like, hit up dope spots. Mm, that, last, that last bit was good. Yeah. You guys were really enjoying that. Yeah. But now, you know, and I'm going to have pizza again in Chicago. I probably won't go deep dish. I want but, a deep dish. Man. I want to I compare. Yeah. Um, so I want, I, want, I want Brandon Lewis to compare pizzas <clears throat> to see. But, yeah, man, so New York was a whole goddamn movie, man. Um, it was a good time, though. Yeah, it was fun. I just went. It's never enough time. It's never enough time. It's never enough time for New York. You man. got to go see uh, the Crack is Whack mural. I saw the Crack is Whack mural in uh, Harlem. Went to Harlem. You went to Harlem. Made time for Harlem. Because remember, y'all, I missed a whole day of New York exploration. 
Yeah. And it was I was on lockdown. It was a nice day. I was out there like, this is whack. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, man, because I was looking forward to going to Brooklyn and hanging out, but, you know. But I'm glad I stayed in the room and just sat and said nothing. Because yeah. if I'm out in the streets, I'm going to talk. I'm going to say something. Yeah. You know? Even when I'm quiet, I'm going to say something. And I was in Brooklyn. Like, if y'all would have came with me, they would you. it would have been Tony Baker this, Tony Baker that, and left I can't and right. Ignore, exactly. I can't ignore fans. You can't. That's just something I cannot do. I can't be mean to fans, y'all. I just can't do it. I'm physically incapable yeah. of being mean to fans. That's why that's why I need like structured people around me to keep, you know, cuz I'll sit there and let the fans talk for 180 minutes straight and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if internally I'm like, get me out of here cuz this is long-winded, but it's right. a fan, so I'm just like, man, I can't be mean. But you you got to have that person that's like, all right. We got to get the hell out of here. We got to mm-hmm. keep moving. Um, Gilbert Godfrey passed away. Uh, they said an illness. I'm not sure what the illness was. Um, Gilbert Godfrey, he was he was everywhere in the '80s. Like he was all over the place. That voice. He was also Iago in Aladdin, the parrot. Um, he was everywhere in the '80s. Man, that voice really stood out. And the '90s, Problem Child. Oh, your Problem Child was 1990. Yeah, but I feel like like around the early '90s, he kind of disappeared on us. He was in the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Not, not a lot of people know about the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, man. It's an Andrew Dice Clay action movie, which is it's it's not a good movie, but it's a guilty pleasure for me. Like I enjoyed the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Um, he was in Beverly Hills Cop. He was in Beverly yeah. Hills Cop too. <clears throat> he was in a lot, man. Yeah. Like a lot of good times. Look who's talking. Yeah, it wasn't a bad movie, but it was. It was. He was in Look Who's Talking. And that's what um, it says It was something about Ford Fairlane to where it didn't get the respect, but I I enjoyed Ford Fairlane, and I was like. I don't like Andrew Dice Clay. I mean, I like him now. It's not like he's he's out of here, but like growing up, I was like, "Yo, Andrew Dice Clay is funny to me." Just his whole demeanor and the way he would talk, and even now, like you know, the 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 roles I see him in, he's a good he's a good actor. Oh man! And uh, when he played, was that Lady Gaga's dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. What's the name of that movie? Star is Born. The, a Star is Born. He was yeah. good. In he that. killed it. That yeah. was really good. He was also in a, a Woody Allen movie called Blue Valentine with a. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Not Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine is with uh, Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. Um, the movie with Kate Blanchett, it was a Blue Jasmine or... Let me see. It was a Woody Allen joint. I think she got an Oscar nomination. Yeah, Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine, yeah. She was in that. Now, Andrew Dice Clay, man. Funny guy, just his whole demeanor and the way he would talk. And, you know, what the, he would light the cigarette and he'd bring the cigarette all the way around the corner. He'd pull it out and be like, I was telling the guy, and sucking <laughs> my balls already. Um, Dice was the man, man. Selling out arenas, man. He was that guy. Brooklyn, man. Man. <laughs> all comes back to New York. All comes back to Gilbert New York. Gilbert Godfrey, yet again. a native New Yorker. <clears throat> Even um, though. 
Adventures of Ford Fairlane was set in L.A. He was so New York with it. It was just like New York once again. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I want to also talk about, and I know, you know, people have been wondering about the T.I. thing. So oh, yeah. Tip, Tip Harris. Tip Harris getting booed in New York. While, meanwhile, while I'm having the time of my life in New York, you know, uh, the crowd. These would be timestamps, uh, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. New York, uh, Gilbert Godfrey, and then Tip got booed at the Barclays Center, and then but he pushed through the boo. He pushed through the boo. Didn't didn't take no for an answer, and finished out his set. You know, he did did what he did. Here's why I respect Tip. He got booed, and then he went back up the next day. Let me tell you something right here, right now. As a comedian, as a comedian, well, it's a few things I want to say. T.I. is in a position of privilege and also in a, a position of high scrutiny because everything that he does is going to be on a public scale. So... Yes, he's going to get those prime real estate spots, but at the same time, everybody is going to see the fumbles. Like, I was privileged enough to come up as nobody knowing me in comedy. Nobody knew who the hell I was, so I can do an open mic, I can do these, I can do bringer shows, I can do whatever, I can bomb, and nobody's recording it, nobody's putting it in the shade room, nobody's saying anything. It's just be like, man, that one guy wasn't funny. That's it. Remember that one guy? He wasn't funny. Who? What was his name? I don't remember. But when you come in and you're already a superstar, everybody's going to, the good or the bad, and they really going to highlight the bad, especially with, you know, there's been a lot of dust-ups with T.I. in the comedy game. Tip, my bad. There's been a lot of dust-ups with him, with other comedians, with, with the whole uh, open mic thing with him and that girl. With uh, him and Godfrey, it's just been dust up after dust up after dust up. And it's just like, man, he can't just come in and, and stealth it up. But I give him props for taking the boo. He took the L, pushed through, closed on a high note, and then got up the next day. A lot of comedians don't recover that fast from a boo. Like some people, when they get booed, I've seen comedians get booed and take two, three weeks off, six months off, four months off. Some comedians don't recover from that, but that boo can kick you down the goddamn steps. That boo can sock your ass out. Remember in The Godfather when Sonny beat up his uh, sister's husband? That's how the boo could treat people. Remember, remember in Dead Presidents when... When Cuddy uh, knocked Lorenz Tate down the steps and said, don't ever bite the hand that feeds you, nigga. That boo be coming for that ass, man. And a lot of people, a lot of comedians can't handle that, man. They can't just bounce right back and then just hit the stage the next day. So I applaud Tip for that. Um, And it's all part of the game. And and one thing I will say, if Tip is even watching this, and it's something that I've said before, I said said that he is privileged to get those good positions. But also, you know, 
Just respect the rules of the game. Like, you know, um, don't run the light. Don't, if you're supposed to do five minutes, just do five minutes. We know you're a star, but you're still not there yet as a comedian to warrant extra time. And two, going in, like, you know, even though T.I. Tip, even though he is a superstar, if he's not on the flyer and he's just doing a pop-up spot, I feel like you should just respect the light, respect the time given, and do your time and then dip off, you know, because when you're when you're not on the flyer, when you're not on the lineup, nobody paid to see you. Even if you are a huge celebrity, you're a huge star, nobody paid to see you because you're not on the flyer. Nobody knew you were going up. So if nobody knows you're going up, you're not on the flyer, you're not responsible for the tickets sold, do your allotted time and get the hell off the stage. Don't run the light. That should be rule one. Don't run the light. Yes, you are a star, but you didn't sell these tickets for this particular night of comedy. So get your ass off the stage. But I applaud him for going back and, you know, fighting through that. And, you know, Tip is confidence McGee. So you never see him sweating. So, but I know, I know from personal experience, even though I've only been booed once by one man in the crowd, it was just one dude, boo! It was one individual dude. Um, but I know what a bomb feels like. And I have the mentality of if I bomb, which I bombed in the Bronx, uh, Sabrina was there. <laughs> Don't look at me. Sabrina was there when I bombed in the Bronx. Sorry, sorry. I couldn't wait to get back on stage again to get my revenge. Which you did in Brooklyn. That's and I know. got Shout my out revenge Brooklyn. in Brooklyn, New York. Same. Shout out to Mimi Simpson for putting me on that show. Yes. Because I would have collapsed. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's, that's my take on, you know, because what, what we're watching with, with Tip doing comedy, we're just all seeing it under a huge spotlight when other comedians have the anonymity to have all these growing pains without the world watching us. So that that's the thing with that. And in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. In the beginning. So yeah, that's that on that. Uh Neil Long on aging. Nia Long, she said, and I reposted this. Let me find it. Did I repost it? You did. Yeah, okay, let me find it. Nia Long says she opens up about the pressure of being called ageless. I am a proud 51, and eventually I'm going to age in a way where it's obvious, and I want it to happen beautifully and gracefully. That's dope. And she looks amazing in this picture. Nia Long is, she looked well. She looks great. Um, and I, man, 51? Yeah. God damn, time flies. Right. Because I feel like, even though I even though I knew she was older than me, she just felt my age. Even though she was clearly older than me. It was like, you know, she was doing Boys in the Hood. When Boys in the Hood came out, I was like 13, 14. So I knew she was older than me. But I didn't know she was like, you know, six years older than me. But. But that's that's a word right there, man. Just allow people to age how they age. You know, not everybody, not everybody's gonna look the same when they age. 
You know, some people gonna look. Some people look old now when they twelve. <laughs> There's some twelve year olds. God damn, man, you got a mortgage. You know, some of these. Some people just look grown. Like we look at people back in the day, and like we look at the R and B singers and the actors, and the, we look at look we look at uh, what's my man's name. We look at Fred Hampton. We look at him and be like, man, he was twenty one. He looked like a fully realized thirty something year old man when he when he died. Frankie Val, no, not Frankie Val, uh, Richie. Valens. Oh, Richie Valens. Valens. Richie Valens looked like he was 42 <laughs> when he died, and he was mad young. Mad young. If you look up the real picture of Richie Valens, and you you would not think that was a 17-year-old boy at all. Mm-mm, he looked like one of my uncles. Yeah, he looked like he had... <laughs> It looked like he had kids, nieces, and nephews. Tough. Otis Redding, another one. Cass was looking grown back in the day. Now, Buddy Holly looked like a kid. Mm-hmm. But Richie Valens, man, I was like, there's no way he was 17 in this picture. And I was just like, so let people age how they age. Some people going to look older. Some 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 going to look young. Uh, Tanisha Turner said, Tony look every bit of 35. And I'll take the 35. I'm 44. I will take nine years younger. Mm. I will gladly take it. That's younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't, don't get me started on how old Sabrina be looking. Oh, man. I, I'll never forget when Ryan Davis was like, yo, uh, Tony. I mean, people out, out here thinking that Tony's like just rocking the cradle. Or right. Whatever the rocking term the cradle? is. Is it robbing the robbing cradle? Robbing the cradle. I don't like robbing. Why are we robbing? You might as well rock it. <laughs> Rocking the cradle? Something cradle. I know the cra- there's a cradle involved. There's a cradle getting something with R. Yeah. yeah. Ransack. <laughs> Ransack the, the cradle. cradle. Yeah. I like that better. Um, because they everybody thinks you're mad young. And I was like, really? Yeah. I'm out here. They're like, yeah. He's, he was just like, yeah. They're out here looking at Tony like. <laughs> I'm out here like dating teenagers. <laughs> Sabrina was born in 1985, y'all. Yes, I'm. I'm about. I'm closer to. I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. So. You were born in 1985, <laughs> y'all. Grown woman. Grown woman. But Sabrina looked like she's a good 24. It's always so because even today at the studio they were having a conversation about Jordan. Yeah. And these people who were born in '96 and like '91. Yeah. Oh, Jordan's our era. Oh. With uh, Bentley. And he's like, what? No, no, he's not. And, you know, they're arguing back and forth. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of the, I'm like, Jordan's really my error. Because he he got into the league the year before I was born. Right. And so I, I, you know, my life progressed with his career. career. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I I, I chimed in. I was like, nah, he's mine. (laughs) How old are you? I was like, I was born in '85. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yours. Yeah, yeah that's of course. yours. That's, Claim that Jordan. <laughs> that's me. Claim that Jordan. You, you could remember his first championship. Yeah, I, I was old enough. He was all of six, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Well, what, wait, wait, what month? Five. What month was it? So if it's an NBA championship, it was yeah, it was before my birthday. Yeah, for sure. So the you was five years yeah. old. There's a chance you might remember. I remember five. Yeah, good times. Him winning the championship at that at that point.
point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I remember the dunk. I had them on my wall. Like, I was old enough to have my room split in half. One side Jordan, one side Starks. Yeah. Um, I had, you know, Jordans. I had, I, have, I had OG Jordans that they couldn't even fathom. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, I'm telling you, that's my era. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's you. That's you. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. It's just crazy to meet somebody who was born in 96 in the same room as me working. I was like, you, even though it's so long ago, but to me, I'm like 96. 96. I, I was already high, out of high school in 96. Yeah, this is just. I was already working at Dairy Queen. Man. In 96. Y'all know, y'all know I used to work at Dairy Queen. Tell me about it. Just throw that in there, man. I used to work at Dairy Queen. Um, but yeah, Neil Long, man, however you want to age, Do you it. all right with us. I like Neil Long, man. She's. She's been in my life for a long time. She's so cute. Man, she's adorable, man. And it, it I really feel like it's not going to matter how she ages. Yeah. And also, like, that, it's a lot of pressure for women. Mm, um, for sure. Because men, men age better. They do. Yeah. They do. Men age better. Yeah. Uh, Amir, Amir thinking. <laughs> he's like, mm. they, they do. I mean, if, like, like and, naturally. And there's less stigma attached to us that, getting older. I think yes. that's what it is more so than they age better. Yeah. It's more yeah. so the... The <clears throat> stigma. It might be, yeah. Like, because when, when dudes get old, we get older, yeah. all the things that come with it is accepted. Whereas women kind of, they have to play it off as like, you know, they don't want right. to embrace it. But I don't think that's necessarily on them as much as it is how society looks at how women get older. Right. Whereas yeah. like if dudes get like, I'm at the age where I'm going to go on to get bald and I'm 27. But yeah. then it's like, hey man, it's cool. Dudes can be bald. Like if a right. woman mm-hmm. were to lose her hair, if that was a part of her aging process, it'd be like, you bald? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it'd be mm-hmm. like, it's, it's it's those kind of things where it, men gain weight. We do all these other things like that. Our sex drive slows up and it's all like, oh, we got things for that. It's cool. Right. And women, all of that stuff is like menopause and all the other stuff. And then they're like, right. Oh, you kind of on your own with that. And they like, don't put the coolness on it. Yeah, yeah. Like fillers and all that is like looked, looked down upon. Yeah. And surgery and facelifts and stuff. Like, mm. oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's booty. It's, the, it's beauty standards. And then it's, it's also booty standards. Booty standards. <laughs> booty standards. <laughs> booty standards. <laughs> the like beauty standards. But booty it's also standard. people think like when you turn 30, like you're old. Yo, that's the crazy. Ever since I turned 30, every time I tell somebody I'm in my 30s, they're like, well, you're in your 30s? Like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the second a woman's no longer in her 20s, she's, yeah, she should be getting like against the clock. Yeah, yeah, like I should be getting senior citizen discounts according <laughs> right. to a lot of people. It's over for you. Oh my god, I can't wait till I turn forty to see the reaction. Then you're forty. Yes, I'm almost dead. How like is that what you think? <laughs> like is that what you? It's funny because I used to view forty as old when I, I was a kid. Okay. Not not in terms of like, um societal pressures but it was just like man you're 40 <laughs> and i would just be like wow because i remember doing my i was always obsessed with my mom's age as a kid and i'd just be like man mom is 40 because <laughs> I, was, I was born i was born when she was in her 30s i want to say let me see yeah she was like 31 when i was born and so, you know, as I got older and, you know, I was just doing math and it was just like, man, mom's 40. And I'm just <laughs> like, that just seems so far away at that time. Mm-hmm. And then now, 
I look at my age now and I'm just like, man, I do not feel like I'm in my mid forties. I don't feel that. Like I, I I'm like, man, I just still I feel too young for this. I feel like there was a gap in my in my aging process to where I'm just like, yo, did I miss a decade? Like how am I how am I already forty four? What did what did I miss? How did I get here? Even though I watched my sons grow for twenty one years, but I'm still just like, and even though I had to exist along with those twenty one years to watch them grow and take care of them, and it's just like, I'm already forty four. It's just crazy. But now you know, forty is nothing. Forty is light work. I used to think Martin was old when he started blowing up. And I was just like, man, Martin is 40? And then, uh, but now I'm just like, man, they ain't old at all now. Yeah. I used to think that way, too. I was like nine years old, and I was watching like music videos and stuff, and I was like, I can't wait to go to the club when I'm 30 and get yeah. tattoos. And I'm like, why Why did I say 30? Why? Yeah, 30? <laughs> you 30? Could've, you could've. I, it's adult. <laughs> like, 30 was like, you yeah, you grown. My parents was 30 in their 30s, so I was like, yeah. You that's know, what felt 30s. grown. Yeah, I was like, that's grown. Like they celebrated my mom's thirty some birthday. That's grown. Maybe that's what it is because you know when my mom was forty, when she turned forty, that means I was nine. That's when I started. You know, that's when you really start having like real independent thought, and you really mm. just taking in your environment and what's around you. And I'm looking at her handle bills and take care of the house, and I'm just like, forty is where this is at. Yeah, mind you, like you know. Growing up, I didn't really think about mom's age when I was a young kid. I was just like, mom, you know, I just knew mom was mom. And, you know, but then when I started think, doing the numbers, I guess, and just like, so 40 is when the bills and the serious business kick in. And and now that I'm, I'm at that place, I'm just like, man, you know, my sons are closer to my age than me and my parents it's still just like, man, that's crazy. Yeah, and I would always do the kids' math. Like, I would always be like, all right, when Serene is 31, I'll be this. So when my kids are this, I'll yeah. be that. I've always done that. Even before I had children, I'd be like, all right, so let's say I have a kid now. When they're 21, I'll be this age. And, like, you know, I never wanted to be too old. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, when they're 10, I'll be 80. Like, you know, just, no, yeah. you know. I feel like people are having mm -hmm. kids later, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. A lot older. Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking, like, my parents had me at 23 and 24, and I'm 27. I'm like, All right, yeah. man, how? That's why I think yeah. in my head, like, yeah. how? Like, how did how did y'all do that? Yeah. Because I'm thinking to myself, it's like, man, there's no way. Like, if I had a kid right now, my life would be in shambles. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my mom, my grandmother had, like, 10 kids before 30. Wow. That, and that was, I think it's because of life expectancy. Yeah. A lot of kids just, well, yeah. they wouldn't make it or they just. Oh, yeah. They, I know, didn't meet all of them. Yeah. My great grandma yeah. had, my great grandma had 14 kids. She lived to be 103, though. Because she outlived damn. most of her kids. Yeah. That's what my grandmother Damn. Had. And then, so, like, her youngest yeah. is is like uh, uh, 80 something. Like, 80. The fact that yeah. the baby is 80 something yeah. is yeah, crazy. Because she's born in 1903. She passed away like 2007. That's so, my baby. Yeah. She mm -hmm. knew everybody. She was alert. Like, she, she didn't pass away like, oh, she's just super old. She was like moving and get up in the wheelchair or whatever. Like, she would need help, but yeah. she knew who we were and all that stuff like that. So when he passed, it was like, oh, you know what? I ain't even sad. Like, it was like, you know, 103, like, you 
seen Dang. a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a that's a great run. Was that she, is a great run. What type of woman was she? Did she was she active? Uh, I don't remember her being too active because mm. when I met her, she was already like late eighties. Mm. Okay, so she was, but she was still like you know they'll bring her around and stuff, and she'd be interact with everybody. Yeah. She knew who everybody was. Who you belong to, where you where your lineage came oh, from, wow. all that. No, she That's knew. Super dope. It's like, oh yeah, you're such and such. You know who this is? Like, yeah, I know who that is. Talk to us and everything. To mm-hmm. have that around is a is a blessing. Yeah. Not everybody has that. Yeah. To yeah. where you can you can look at your ancestral lineage in the face and have that conversation. And mm-hmm. then she can tell you even more family history past yeah. her. Yep. And if she's already in her eighties then, she can take you way back. I met I I got fortunate enough to know both of my great grandmas on my mom's side and my dad's side and i have all four of my grandparents still oh Oh, that's super dope that's a blessing that's one thing i always be like man i I got all four still yeah that's a blessing yeah um my grandmother she was like that where you just talk to her and she'd be like oh yeah give you the full scoop go back and but the thing about um, to go how old is your grandmother for those who don't know uh 90 yeah yeah she just turned ninety. That's a good October. run, man. Ninety yeah. years. She out here. She don't. She don't say much. She don't do much. But she's still here. She's still adorable. She's so cute. The first man, time Tony met her, <laughs> she little. <laughs> she didn't expect her to be so so small. Cause she looked more epic in your videos and on the yeah. phone and stuff. I was like, wow, you know. And then when I was there at the house, I mean, y'all look little to me, but yeah, thanks. And and <laughs> <laughs> this is just what it is. But like. Going to your mom's place and seeing her there, and I was just like, "Man, she she's looks little. like a doll." Yeah, <laughs> she's so small. I was like, "Wow." Um, it's funny because both of my grandpa, my grandmothers were like that. Like my yeah. dad's mom, she aged like when as she got older, she shrunk, and she was just this little cute old lady with a crazy ass grip. Yeah. The second she hold held on to you, it's like that's it. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait for her to like let go of you because it was strong, and she would laugh once you once you were in pain. Mm-hmm. She like. <laughs> That was my plan. Her cute little laugh. Um, but what I was going to say about thinking a certain age was old, I got really into like morbid stuff at a young age. Because yeah. uh, my little cousin passed away at when she was eight years old, right? Mm-hmm. So when I realized, oh shit, kids can, can die. Anybody. Kids can die. I no yeah. longer, because at first I used to factor like, oh, you're closer to death. That means you're old, right? Yeah. So I used to factor it like that. And once I realized that, oh, anybody can die, yeah. um, age no longer meant old to me. And I was surrounded by old. I had like this one aunt, uh, Tia Amparo. She was old, bro. Like, yeah. she was old. I don't know how old she was, but she was like almost dust type of old. So I was, I was raised around really old people. Right. So them still being around and functioning mm-hmm. and this that and the third i never put an age on oldness like yeah. it's like yeah you're older but i've never looked at somebody like damn you're old you're right so when people be coming up to me with that i'd be like yo chill bro yeah. <laughs> like my family got got a good run like when they're healthy enough to live their full life right they be living into their hundreds and yeah. stuff like that so it's like i might have a that's a i don't want to live that long that's a long time. Man, if you do 90, you still got too a whole nother lifetime left. You still got 50 years. <laughs> Imagine how long your first 36 felt. Yeah. Now tack on another That's a 40. Because I think about that all the time. I'm thinking about, y'all, y'all know, I think about death all the time. I always thought about it before. Now it's damn near all I think about. 
So now I think about my own age, and I just be like, man, if I live to 80-something, that's going to be a whole nother lifetime on top of the lifetime I've already lived. So it's just going to be like start from scratch again. I'm just like, man, that'd be a, a good-ass run. I just want to still be mobile and still be active and still be, you know, able to move around and think and, you know. Like I say all the time, I'm just like, man, if I'm just out here and hanging on by a thread, just get me up out of here, man. Give me a, especially now, like, you know, now that my son passed away, you know, I have no fear of death now. Like, you know, because now I want to see, I want to see what Serene experienced. Like, I want to see, all right, where, where, what did he go through? Where was he at? What did it feel like? You know, so I'm super, like, you know, conscious of that now, even though I was before, because it's something that we all going to go through eventually. So I just wonder, like, what's the next step? What is going to be like, you know, when I pass? And so so now that Serene beat me to it, I'm just like, man, you know, what am I going to – I want to know what it felt like for him and what he went through since I wasn't able to take him myself, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, man, what is that like? But I will say this, though. I'm, I've always been proud of my age. Y'all know me. I'll tell my age at any given time. And a lot of people shame aging. But I feel like it's a beautiful thing. It's a blessing to be able to say you got another year, you got another birthday. It's a blessing to be able to come up in years and just be like, you know, I've lived 45, 55, 65, 75. That's a blessing. A lot of people don't make it. And a lot of people would love to still be here and they're not meanwhile everybody out here is shaming people because they're old and it's just like man y'all need to chill man because this you know we all we all do it this it's a part of the the natural way of things chris rock said he's not talking until he gets paid goddamn right i wouldn't either you might as well do it when you're getting some money for it. And, you know, him getting paid, that could be either from a, another Netflix special, a comedy tour. His words are worth money. That's the crazy part. Chris Rock's words are worth actual currency. And so with something like this, where we're dying to know, you know, what he thinks, how he feels, whatever, he can just hold off and be like, I'll talk about it when I get paid. And that's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful position to be in. Um, Rihanna revealed her biggest pregnancy cravings. Tangerines with salt. So I assume they're saying if she was pregnant or like just in case mm -hmm. she was pregnant. Because, you know pregnancy is a topic and they they just want to know because I, I still don't has she said i'm pregnant yet because i'm not sure you know i see the belly i see the stomach food be good so i still don't want to assume but if she hasn't said i'm pregnant y'all has she said it yet yeah she did there's a lot of things about her being pregnant out there and she but did she say it? she acknowledges her pregnancy oh okay well she might be pregnant 
She might still, be. I still don't want to jump the gun because she because she could just be eating. Mm-hmm. And like you know, you know, I I've said it. Well, I was just like, man, I'm pregnant, y'all, because I ate too much. Food babies. That's the thing. Maybe that's what she's. I've been pregnant to. several times. She might be referring to a, a food baby. You're right. So I just want to be sure, you know. But she's having the craving. Tangerines with salt. Interesting craving. That's a yeah. That's pretty. That's a I'm bougie sure, craving. I wonder if it brings out the flavor because you know, like when you put salt on fruit, it, it really brings out the flavor. Like watermelon, like that uh, tahine. It has a little saltiness to it. I didn't even think about the tahine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm curious. I might have to check that out. Uh, DJ Khaled got a star on the Walk of Fame. Yeah. I'm sure he was super excited because you know him. him. DJ Khaled is the most excited guy in hip-hop. He is excited about everything. And I'm sure he was mad excited. I already know he had his kids with him. He did. Of course. He's so proud of his kids. Oh, he's such a good dad. Yeah. His kids his kids are going to have the utmost confidence oh. in life. DJ Khaled's yes. kids are going to have the utmost confidence in life. Anything they want to do. Yeah. They think I'm like, I can do you that. You can do it. Yeah, and then he's going to You're the gonna... best at it. <laughs> oh yeah, you could go you could go fly a plane, son. Go ahead. You, you can got do this. it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Imagine him as your dad, man. You, you you the best, but I failed seventh grade, Dad. But you failed beautifully. You yes. were the best at failing. Aww. Thanks, Dad. You <laughs> did it. You did it good, too. You got a 10% for the whole year. Nobody's doing that. I feel like that's a, a blessing and a curse because not everyone is going to, well, no one besides him right. is going to approach you like that. So, like, if you actually fail at, at work, they're not going to be like, you failed to turn in the, right. the project on time. But you know what? You failed wonderfully. Yeah, ain't nobody saying that. Ain't nobody saying You're that. fired. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what they Like, you got fired. You can get another job. They yeah. would love to have you. Yeah. But I suck at this, Dad. No, you don't. <laughs> Shout out to DJ Khaled. Walk yeah. of Fame, man. That's, That's dope. dope. I wonder where it's at. Yeah. All these new stars, I wonder where they at because we're close. I know. We got to We gotta do a little uh, we gotta Walk find of the Fame new ones. I got to see Cedric's. Oh. Uh, Missy. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Missy. I think... Dr. Uh, Dre get one? Who? Or Snoop or Dr. Dre. Which one was it? I th- was Didn't it Snoop? they just get one? One of them just got one. Uh, it yeah, might have been Snoop. Yeah. You got to get them. Like, you have to buy it kind of thing. Oh, you can just buy one? I think so. Oh, oh we about shit. to get a Tony Baker star. Yeah, I'm about to... I think you have to... I'm not 100%, but I, like it's a whole process or something. And you got to... There's like upkeep with it, too. Like, Huh. Josh Brolin, Benedict Cumberbatch. There's a lot of... I'm about, to, I'm about to buy one, man. Man, you might as I well. I saw a couple spots I wanted. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> let me see. I'm going to look into it. Um, So I'm going to do some questions real quick before I get into these reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Timmons. First of all, that's a dope name. Taylor Timmons. TT. <laughs> uh, did you get the biscuits? Great question. Yes, I did. Oh, I got the biscuits. Two days worth of biscuits. Would have been three days worth of the goddamn lockdown. Um, but yes, I did get those biscuits, and I enjoyed every piece of the biscuits. Shout out to this great server we had at Peace Food. Kyle. Kyle. 
He was at the Peace Food on. It was over uh, by 14th Street. I think it was on. I'm gonna get you the address right now. Cause it's, it's a couple of Peace Foods out there, but um, if you're ever in Manhattan and you want to go to Peace Food, oh, 41 East 11th Street. 41 East 11th Street. The Peace Food there. There's a guy named Kyle. He has a Southern accent. He's from Texarkana. Man. So dope as a server. Amazing. So dope. Friendly. He knew he knew about the menu items. He cared about us. He checked on us. Friendly, funny, super helpful. He was phenomenal. He even made a sauce from scratch because yes. B. Lou didn't like any of the sauces they already had on hand. Yes. And he's like, you know what? Let me see what I could. I could probably whip one up for you. Yeah. I'm going to be right back and see what I like. See what I come up with. He whipped up a sauce. And he whipped up a sauce. He went back there, whipped it up. And it was a it was a big yeah. like bowl of sauce. Right. And, and y'all liked too. it. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. That's going the extra mile, man. And I tipped the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> I tipped. I tipped his beard off. <laughs> that bill was $105. I tipped him $100. I gave him 90-some percent tip, man. He earned it, though. Yes. He was phenomenal. Uh, so shout out to him. And yes, I did get those biscuits. Um, Crizzy for Life asks, where is a must-go place in New York? Um, I don't know. Uh <laughs> Sabrina could answer that better than me, but it really depends on what you're into yeah. because New York has everything that you you can want. Like whatever you're into, you can find in New York. If you're into like I like let's just say like you really like beautiful views, you go to Williamsburg, you go to the water, you go look out. Wow, this is nice. Oh, let me take a ferry into Manhattan. Da 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 da. Like that's new. Um. You can walk the High Line. Ooh, I'm on the High Line. This is nice. Or if you're into, like, they do hip-hop tours. If you're into hip-hop tours, they do movie tours. If you want to go see where your favorite movies were filmed. Or you can just look it up on your own. You don't have to go pay somebody. Mm. Or you can just sneak into a tour because it's in the street and nobody has to know. Um, history. Uh, there's museums everywhere. Uh, the Museum of Modern Art. The Museum of Natural History. The uh, Like, the obvious museums are dope. But there's also museums that you probably never even heard of. The Museum of Sex is also really dope. It's not like in your face, like graphic stuff. It's dope. It's like actual history behind different sex acts and Kama Sutra and sex toys and this and the third, um, which is really dope. And then there's the Frick Collection. The Frick Collection, I used to work at the Frick. Um, it's an old uh, mansion by that this rich man who lived over on like across the street from central park, he lived there and he was a collector of art. And that, that place is really dope. Like really, really dope. Cause you're walking into this man's house, which is now a museum. Um, Holly Warren said museums in NYC are insane. Yes. You definitely got to hit the museum or take a water taxi around Manhattan. Um, the water taxis are really dope. You go see brother Island. Uh, the two brother islands, there's one that has the, an abandoned mansion on it of the original Yankee owner, which was burned down and pieces of the mount, uh, mansion are still there. And then there's a, a typhoid hospital on the other uh, on the other island, which is really, really dope. Um, also abandoned. It's now both are now bird sanctuaries, so they're not allowed to be touched. That's why those buildings are still there, because it's protected by 
the government so the birds aren't harmed there um and there's just so many dope places mm-hmm. it's, and that was a lot she just rattled off all this off the top yeah and and also if you're from new york go do tourist <laughs> stuff like i'm sick of people not knowing about their own city so i'm really into like history and stuff i'm sick of people being like well did you know in your city i'm like don't tell me about my like, you know, that's why I like looking into that's why I'm really into history. Um, a really dope podcast is called The Bowery Boys, and they talk about history of New York. So definitely check them out. Uh, and also just do touristy stuff just so you're aware of it, because there's a lot of stuff that you might not even know exists that could be your like your place of sanctuary. Like there's a lot of things that you're like, wow, I didn't know this existed. But now that I do, this can be where I can come to, like, gather my thoughts or uh get creative or write and this that whatever your job is you can, you can do it or whatever mm-hmm. your hobby is you could do it so yeah also but wherever you're from just look into the history uh slorita don't live in new york so we're not listening to him <laughs> um and yeah slorita literally does not live in new york he be googling stuff like he's cypress hills pjs he just Googled i don't that. know if slorita lives in new york now because nah. he didn't come to my show nah, he don't live in new york. so now i'm questioning where he's really at. He's like, what's a what's a typical New York attitude? Oh, no snitching. Mm-hmm. He just he's he's just playing up the whole yeah. typical New Yorker via comments. He went to Spearhead, Spearhead Bay High School. I could I could Google high schools too. What you want me to do? <laughs> That's a sheep sheepheads baby. He was born in Cypress Hill, PJs. Nah, I could Google Cypress Hills too. Yeah, what if this whole time Slorita is not really from New York? That would be hilarious. That's why we never see him. He's been catfishing or us the whole time. And he's upstate a snitch. Upstate New York. What, he's, what if he's from upstate New York and he's a snitch? He's from Kingston, upstate New York, and he's a snitch. Wow. Wow. He said, don't do this to me. <laughs> Yo, Slorita been lying. Yo, um... I need I need the full one of my one of my life goals is to spend like a month or two in New York City straight up. That way I got time to do everything, see everything, take it all in, and just you know roam around. Because definitely these little weekend trips, especially when I'm working, I don't be having the time. So I'm gonna make the time. Yeah. Um, Nana P asked this, and she asked us some daddy issues, and we didn't get to it. We got run over with other stuff, but um. Nana P asks, would you rather see your past life, reincarnation of whoever you were before this life, your future for this life, or your future reincarnation? So would I rather see my past life, my future for this life, or my future uh, incarnation, reincarnation? I'm going to go with, hmm, I think I would rather see my past life because I I kind of feel like if I saw the future of this life, I would be trying to change too much stuff or trying to steer it in the way that the future, if it is the future that I like, I might try to steer it too much into that direction to where... And then I'll start questioning everything. Well, are the actions that I did from knowing the future is what brought me here? It'd just be too much going on. I'd rather just look into the past life and see what I was doing, who I was. You know, something I can't tamper with in any way. I'd rather do that. 
What about you? Um, I was I was super curious about my past life as a like not as a kid as a teenager. Mm. Um, I always felt like I was a dude in my la- in my past life. Yeah, I feel like I might have even saw myself. Um, I was wearing suits. Mm. I was like a. You know how back in the day there was always wearing suits and hats yeah. and stuff like that. I feel like I saw myself as that man, uh, which I feel like there's power in knowing your past life. And there's it's kind of almost pointless in knowing your future life. Uh, the power in your past life is that that's already who you were. And that's already what you've accomplished, which can push you to accomplish more in your current life. Mm. Um, your future life is obviously what you're capable of, but you're not there yet. You you might need to work up to become who you are in the future, but your past life may help that. Even in like your current life, your past may help you help push you forward into the future. Yeah. So yeah, I'd rather see my past life. What you going with it, man? Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not finna go into the future. I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I probably just go. Yeah, go back and see what the past life was like. See what you was doing back in the '40s. Back in mm-hmm. back in the day before yeah. I was before I was really here. Yeah, right. like also I'm really into, like I said I'm really into history. That'd be yeah. dope. Uh, what did I have any part in anything dope that's not in a history bo- book? Like right. especially you, you look like a, a pharaoh. You oh, was man, probably <laughs> you was probably out here in the. <laughs> in the pyramids, chilling. Sandals on. Yeah, you put your cheeks <laughs> glistening. Think about it. You'll be you in the past life, so it's everything you're seeing. Right. When you look down, sandals, <laughs> dusty, sandals. dusty toes, and sandals. Out here speaking another language. Yeah, and then you start talking, and you like scare yourself. What, no. what, what the hell am I saying? <laughs> your thoughts are in English, though. Right. Yeah. So uh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Good question, though. Not a P. Uh, Kobe Maguire, have you ever been booed? Oh, yeah, I kind of. Uh, you touched on it. Yeah, I've only been booed by one individual at a show. I was at a casino show. The Laugh Factor in Hollywood used to book this casino out in uh, San Manuel Casino. It's about maybe 45 minutes, 50 minute drive from the city. And. Um, they used to do Laugh Factory. Used to do a comedy show out there. It's like in this little room, right, tucked off right where the slot machines are. Tiffany Haddish used to host it every uh, either Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Wednesday. Every Wednesday, so it paid decent money. So we would do the gig, and uh, yeah, and that wasn't an easy room. It was not an easy room to do. And one night I was doing it, and this one dude booed me. He was just like, boo. He was he booed all the comedians that night. But te- but I got to technically, that's a boo. You know, so I have been booed. But it was just one individual boo. It was like, I don't agree with what you're, what, what is it I said on Daddy Issues? We don't agree with what you're saying as a group. And so, but it was just him, so there was no as a group for him. It was just like I don't agree with what you're saying as, as me individually. And so, he booed me. So that's my only boo. Um, <laughs> I'd rather get booed than uh, get nothing. Because at least a boo, I can be like, man, at least his energy coming at me. Right. But man, just a, just a silent. 
nothing crowd, ah, tough. Um, so I saw everything, everywhere, all at once. That's a movie that's been getting critical praise all over the place. Um, it's a movie that has been taking the critics by storm. The audiences seem to like it. Super imaginative movie about the multiverse. It's not a comic book. And uh, it stars Michelle Yeoh as a woman who owns a laundromat, a struggling laundromat. She is in a marriage that's failing. She has a daughter um, that she's kind of disconnected with. She doesn't. She doesn't want to disappoint her uh, ailing father. She's ashamed of her daughter dating a a woman, and she doesn't want to tell her father. She she takes she accepts the fact that you know her daughter has a girlfriend, but she doesn't want to tell her father. And um, so she ends up finding out that a different multiverse version of her husband has tapped into the brain of her husband to tell her about the multiverse and about what's going on. And this movie right here is crazy. It's 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 super like it's hard to, for me it was hard to follow. It was hard to follow. I respect the integrity of it and the and the an imaginative story and something original and fresh. But I I was struggling to keep up to be honest with you. I was like, man, what wait, what 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 has happened here? What's going on here? So um I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to because the storyline, one false, one false get up to go to the bathroom, one false, if you drop your popcorn bag, pick it up and then come back up, you done missed something. So um but it was not boring. It was it was dope visually. Um, the cast did an incredible job. Um, Michelle Yeoh was great in the lead. It had um, what was his name? Indiana Jones. Short round. Oh yeah. Short round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He was also in the Goonies. Remember that kid? He's in this. Man. He is in this movie. Sabrina was like, yo, isn't that short round from Indiana Jones? And then what was his name in the Goonies? Data. Data. Isn't that him? I was like, yo, it looks like him. And it sounded like him. And yo, it was good to see him again. It was good to see him again. And I was like, yo, I just knew that kid was going to be a star. I was just like, yo. Because I, I still have not seen the Goonies all the way through. But I've seen the Temple of Doom several times. And I'm just like, yo, it's good to see this kid again. But this movie, this movie was hard for me to keep up with, being honest. But from what I could understand and what I could gather up, it was a fun ride. It was just like, um, I was like, wow, this movie is crazy. You got you got different versions of herself that she can kind of tap into and then kind of not and you know, there was this premise of this girl that was her daughter, Joy, but not her daughter, but was her daughter. And she's like taking out these different alternate universes, universe versions of herself, of her mom. 
And so the movie is essentially about um, really just letting go, like, you know, letting go, trying to control everything and like just just letting things be as they are. And the reason why the main version of Michelle Yeoh's character, the reason why her this version was able to keep up with and survive was because she failed at so many other things in her life that she was just able to thrive and not get murdered off in this in this reality and to be able to even tap into the other versions of herself since she failed at everything else she was able to tap into these different versions of herself and use it in the reality that she was in and um it's, it, it, essentially it's a story about accepting things and just like you know um when you when you try to control everything too tightly you end up failing on so many different levels rather than just going with the flow and i think that was the message of the movie i don't know for sure i feel like there were so many yeah it was like different Different messages. Sabrina was out. Oh man, the she second was, I was lost, I was like, "Let me take a nap." She was out of here, and you know, normally I fall asleep, and I fell asleep a little bit on this. I dozed off for a minute or two, but then uh, I was back. And normally I'm out a little bit longer than that, but this movie, I want to see it again. Like I want to watch it again um, to fully grasp what it was about. Like it, it's definitely a film I respect. I respect the production value of it, and like I just respected. I was like, man, how hard was this to shoot? And they were shooting. They were filming this during the pandemic, so it was just like, man, like you know. So I respect the production value, the performances, the the imaginative visuals. It was just and the bagel. I was like, yeah, what does this bagel represent? And it was just like, yo, it's a lot. So I, I definitely, this is definitely a movie you have to visit more than one time. Some people loved it right off the rip. I don't love it because I feel like I didn't really understand everything. So I want to revisit it and pick up things I may have missed. And so, uh, yeah, but forget all that. Y'all want to know the smooth jazz review of everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, here it is. Oh, yeah. I'm giving everything, anything, anytime, everything, everywhere, all at once. Right off the rip, because I truly don't understand it. I'm giving it three and a half saxophones out of five. Strong three and a half with the potential to grow. I just gotta I gotta I have to revisit this movie just to make sure I can fully grasp all the ideas and all the flow in this intricate story. Um, you know, I will say this, though. The hot dog fingers. Mm. The hot dog fingers made me laugh every time I heard them jiggling around. They just sounded so wet and just, just sounded like wet hot dogs. Yeah, I'll probably watch The Batman again uh, once it comes on HBO Max. Um... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the movie, the 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 premise of the movie is just so dope, and like you know the the performances, the production value. It's like, yo, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is you know I'm a fan of Jamie Lee Curtis, man. She's the Good Whites. 
Um, I like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. And she was good in this movie. Um, it was just so... It was just good to see a movie this fresh uh, in the movie theaters. It's not a rehash of anything that's already been out. It's not a remake. Or, you know, and it's just like, it's just something fresh in the sea of just remakes and sequels and franchises. It was just good to see something fresh that was that that got my interest and got my attention. So shout out to that movie. I will say that the mother daughter premise uh-huh. is so relatable. Oh man. So relatable. I was wondering about that for you. Oh man. It was so like that one scene where, yeah. you know, I was just like, Yeah, this is Yeah. It it sucks, but it most mothers and daughters have that relationship. Yeah. And it's just and sometimes it's just hard to get through yeah. to moms and like, yeah. So I was just like I feel like that's another part of the premise that was like like people can feel that. Like yeah. women women can feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically but even other people i'm sure there's you know there's sure there's a lot of uh you know when people who aren't women like who also feel that way about their parents yeah and be like man like i hate being around my parent and i really like that dynamic when they focus on the mother and daughter uh-huh. i really i really like that yeah that part of it like mm-hmm. uh especially it was it was one scene where they were both rocks oh yeah you and were laughing I was just like, yo, this is dope. The stuff they were saying to one another and like I was just like mm-hmm. Wow, this is this is so random but dope. Like the movie reminded me of my Instagram page. Like my Instagram page is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like my Instagram page is a multiverse of me and other shit. Shit that I'm into, shit that I've done, shit that I've said, shit that I feel, shit that I've seen and added to and you know, a lot of people be like, man, your your Instagram is just all over. And that's how I like it. As it should be, because you're all over. Like, we as humans, we sh- I don't I don't understand people. I mean, I praise people who can stick to a niche, who can get yeah. into a niche and stay there. Like, shout right. out to you. But we're, we're not niches. Like, we're not stuck in, like, one realm. So I don't think our social media should be stuck in a realm. I mean, if it yeah. works, it works. But you, especially you, you're so, like... I'm- you're into everything yeah and it's dope it's I'm super dope into... you know this there's parts of the movie that also remind me of scott pilgrim mm-hmm. like just the way that was shot like yeah i was just like oh yeah I yeah can see it. from a filmmaking standpoint man it was just it was like man this is this is this is a ride yeah. and uh i'm glad i took it glad i took it so like i said three and a half saxophones with with the potential for more I just got to rewatch it and make sure I fully understand everything. So it's because it's a lot in there to take in. So um, double featured it though. Saw two movies yesterday to catch up. Trying to catch up, man. Ambulance, a much easier story to follow. Um, Ambulance from director Michael Bay, who brought us Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, The Island. Transformers, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, Transformers The Dark Side of the Moon, Transformers, uh, what the hell happened after that? Um, Michael Bay also did 13 Hours. Uh, it's a story about a, at the end of his rope, ex-Marine, 
who is in desperate need of, you know, getting his wife a surgery that she needed for an ailment that she was having. And we all know, depending on what insurance you have or don't have, surgery can completely wipe you out. Surgery, I remember when my, when my appendix burst, my 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 doctor bill was forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand dollars for my appendix surgery. And luckily, they didn't know I had insurance at that time. Luckily I had just got insurance. And that brought my payment down all the way down to like three thousand. But man, it $40,000, that bill was so high, I was just like, there's no way I can pay this. So I just laughed at it. I was like, there's no way. I'm paying a weekend at a hospital cost me $40,000. I used to tell that joke on stage, like for $40,000 for a weekend, I need to be on an island, beautiful tropical island for a full weekend, smashing Angelina Jolie raw. And this is and this is just it's not even about her, but it's just about somebody of of oh, stature. Yeah, that makes that sense. I'm smashing raw for this to for this forty thousand to make sense for a weekend. Um so he's in desperate need of the money. And so he goes to Jake Gyllenhaal's character, who is somebody that he could come to in desperate need of like Two hundred and something thousand dollars for this surgery, and Jake Gyllenhaal is like, "Yo, man, I got you. You just got to help me with this one thing, and we can get the monies." Apparently, these two grew up together, and so he felt he could trust to go to him for the money, and he had the he had the right connections. So he goes to him, and then Jake Gyllenhaal is like, "Yo, man, well, all right." Well, come with me on this uh, this little job we're doing. You could be the driver, and you know we'll get you squared away on the money tip. We all know that it's never that simple. They rob this bank, things go a wire, and they end up on the run from the cops in an ambulance. They got a paramedic trapped in there with a with a fallen cop, and they are on the run from every cop within the Los Angeles area. And it's like, how are they going to get out of this? That's the premise of this movie. How are they going to get out of this pickle? And when I say pickle, I mean dill, hot, sweet, vlasic, all the pickles. All the pickles. Who was that pickle from Rugrats? Tommy Tommy Pickles. All the pickles. So it was just like, yo, okay. Michael Bay, first of all, his movies are colorful and bright. That's one staple about Michael Bay. He will give you the colors. He will make everything look beautiful, whether he's in Miami, Los Angeles, overseas, Pearl Harbor. He's going to give you the colors. And one thing, too, he is going to move that camera around. He was doing camera angles that were completely unnecessary. He would swoop in up above a skyscraper and then swoop back down. And I'm just like, why did we just do that shot? 
Why did we just swoop up to the top of the tallest building in Los Angeles and then come back down? It is just, he is going to give you the full visuals. And when I say Michael Bay, you already know he is going to put the money on the screen. I don't know what the budget was for ambulance, but cars were flipping, cars were blowing up, cars were crashing. He's going to give you every dollar on that screen and you are going to see it. That's one thing about Michael Bay that he has always done. Whether the budget was $27 million, like for the first Bad Boys or it's $200 million like Transformers, he is going to show you the money on that screen and Ambulance is no exception. It looked like money was spent. Um, the, the leads were good. You know, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal is one of the better actors working today. He is uh, he's a really good actor. Um, and he delivered as usual. Uh, Yaya from Candyman and the Watchmen series. Uh, he did his thing. Um, you felt for his character. But at the same time, you were just like, I don't know, man. Like, I wouldn't have done it, you know, because, um, you know, they just never turn out well. But we're blinded. Like, if you can get millions of dollars for doing a quick job and you're a good driver and you know it, you know, and it's desperate measures. You got a wife with child that needs the surgery, you know. He didn't want to do it, but he did it. And so now we got to deal with the consequences. And Eliza Gonzalez, is that her name? Eliza Gonzalez plays the paramedic who's trapped in the ambulance with him. She was in the movie uh, Kong versus Godzilla. She was also in, um, she was in something else I noticed her in. Uh, I, I care a lot. Um, Bloodshot. I care a lot. I remember her in there. Her hair was <laughs> big. Yeah. And then she was in what else? Uh, Bloodshot. Uh, baby driver. Bloodshot, baby driver. I don't even remember her in baby driver. Yeah, so she, she out here booking some good roles. Alita, yeah, she's in, she's in a lot. She was in Alita too. Yeah, and it's Aisa. Oh, Aisa Gonzalez, Aisa. right? Did I get the last name right? Yeah, yeah, Gonzalez. Okay, right. Aisa Gonzalez. Oh, Cutthroat City. Huh? Cutthroat City. She was in a lot of stuff. Man, she out here working. But she, she looks different in everything she's she. She looks in. different in every movie. Yeah. Um, she has a great face, great look. And Michael Bay made sure we felt her face because mm -hmm. it was like <laughs> he was putting all the color and all the light on that face. And even though she's going through everything, blood splatters, dirt, sweat, grime, stress, it was like, why are you looking amazing going through this? Everybody looks amazing in Michael Bay pictures. Even even when you don't, you do. Um and so those are those are pretty much the three leads. Uh, occasionally, you know, a little bit tad melodramatic, um, but easy to follow, easy to watch. This is no Transformers by any means. One thing I like about Michael Bay movies too, he incorporates humor in all of his movies. He's gonna find a way to incorporate some humor in these joints. Um, and that's one thing I find refreshing about his movies. He gonna he gonna throw in the last where he can, and uh, ambulance is no exception. The budget for ambulance, uh, Jordan Jordan Denwiddle said the budget for ambulance is actually forty million, which is that's low for Michael Bay, 
And uh, he made that movie look like a hundred million bucks. Um, wow, forty million? That's that's cheaper than I expected. It's good that it was that low because it did not do well this weekend. Yeah. So forty million dollar budget. Yo, if you want somebody to make your movie look good, see if you can get Michael Bay because he makes movies look fantastic. And um, this action was easy to follow. Some ridiculous moments here and there, some ridiculous edits here and there that I noticed. But I was entertained the whole way through. The movie starts immediately and keeps going. Uh, what did you see there? That face. You see my face? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at all the budgets for his movie. Oh, Six yeah. Underground was $150 million. Yes. I forgot he did that. That movie was crazy. That yeah, was for Netflix. And I'm just looking at all the different budgets. His budgets are wild. Baby Driver. He did do Baby Driver. It, oh, well, no. This is just the different budgets that are compared to... Oh, okay. Like, gotcha. uh, I'm, what's it called? Action budgets. Okay. Um, so What was Baby Driver's budget? Uh, $34 million. Oh, That's cheap for that. Heat. Sixty million. Yeah, I knew he was up there. Uh, the driver, four million. I guess he's all driver. Oh, Den of Thieves. Love that movie. Den 30, of Thieves was good. How Thirty million. Thirty million. Okay. Scream five. I don't know why that, that's in here. What the hell that doing? All right, twenty four million. Uh, but then six underground, one hundred and fifty million. That's crazy. Um, Die Hard, twenty eight million. Oh, they got Die Hard. Man, Die Hard was die a hard. steal. Die twenty eight million and eighty eight money. It's, yeah, is a lot, but man. That's cheap though. Yeah. For it, it's a classic. Oh, it's one of the best action movies ever created. Twenty-eight million. It's one of the best ever. That's crazy. Um, I will say, I love a good bank heist. Mm-hmm. I love a good heist movie, and Heat is probably the best heist film of all time, in my opinion. Especially the gun battle um, that Robert De Niro's team had with Al Pacino and his team. That's one of the best action sequences I've ever seen. So Ambulance's bank uh, scene doesn't hold a candle to it, but it is pretty good. It's just a little bit more sloppy than um, than Heat. And I will say that Michael Bay can get sloppy with his action sequences and how they're edited and shot. It'd be like it'd be like a shootout going on that's far too long. I still feel that Bad Boys Two, which is also directed by Michael Bay, has some of the best action sequences I've seen um, in film. His camera shot with an incomplete rotation of the room where they're in there fighting the Haitians. That whole Miami chase scene was just incredible. Um, but. His action sequences can go off the rails a little bit, and they kind of go off the rails here a little bit. So I got to nick them for that. But, you know, Michael Bay, and I will say this, I wish Bad Boys 3, Bad Boys for Life, was directed by Michael Bay and not the other guys because I feel like the action would have hit harder if it was Michael Bay. I will say that. I will say, because I feel like the action sequences in Bad Boys for Life didn't hit the same as the first two Bad Boys. But Michael Bay does action. If if Michael Bay were to take over a Marvel franchise, uh-huh. what what uh, character would you want him to like take over, like their story? Ooh, Storm. I feel like since we were just talking about Storm, but um, I I would like. So, I feel like, you know, Michael Bay movies are not the strongest story-wise. Mm. 
So I feel like I would I would want Michael Bay directing something that's grounded in uh, an urban environment, uh, urban environment. So based in that reality, like if they did like a a Luke Cage movie or uh, even no, nah, the Punisher could be a bit darker than than what I'm used to with Michael Bay. So I would like to see a Luke Cage or um, Blade Blade should be darker. So I feel like Michael Bay would give Blade too much color. Uh the Hulk might be a nice mm. Oh. The Hulk might be the move. Oh yeah, cuz the color Because it's going to be colorful. It's going to be a lot of destruction. The Hulk might be the move because I want my Hulk movie to be loud, um, vibrant, um, colorful, with a lot going on, destruction. I don't I don't think the Hulk should be too dark and serious. So the Hulk might be my answer. Um I don't know if I want Gambit to have his own standalone movie. I like Gambit better within the team of X-Men. Even though I love Gambit as a character, I just like for him to be within the team there. Um, yeah. Because Storm, Storm is going to be... Me and Sabrina were talking about this oh, with, with a Storm movie. First of all, Storm would need a, uh, we need a we need a strong story for Storm at this point. We've, we've already seen... Uh, these filmmakers giving the Storm character nothing to do in these X-Men movies. So we need to come in story first with Storm. And then we can apply the action after that. So Michael Bay is not the guy on that front. So with a Storm movie, we need a strong story, but also dope special effects. And me and Sabrina were saying, first of all, we want we want uh before oh yeah, let me get let me get into this. Let me give y'all the saxophones <laughs> for Michael Bay's ambulance movie. Well, here it is. Oh, yeah. I'm giving ambulance three and a half saxophones out of five. It was entertaining, and it kept me invested the whole movie, and I didn't know how it was going to play out, and I was curious as to how it was going to play out. And it played out pretty realistically, honestly. Like, the the playout was... Re like, how it played out didn't have me like, man, that would never happen. And so... Three and a half saxophones out of five. It's a good watch. It's entertaining. And Wale does a good job. Aww. The rapper Wale is in this movie. So he did a good job, man. I've never seen him in the movie before. Back to what I was saying about Storm, though. Storm, me and Sabrina were saying Storm could be a creepy movie if they had it to where Storm was going after bad people and she was coming for you as Storm. Like you can have some really creepy visuals, and we we both say we want Stormcast as an African woman. If you if you can't be really African, we want you super dark skin, yes, skin glistening on the super dark skin tip. We mm -hmm. we don't want no more, you know, no partials, no no more light skinned black chicks playing yeah. Storm. No disrespect to None. to the women that have played Storm, but we want full African. We want a cast. We want you to go to Nairobi. Yes. We want you to go to Kenya and cast somebody fresh out of Africa for Storm. Yes, please. Because also that that plays a part in the visuals we have. Yes. Because if she's if she's dark skin 
and she, you know, puts a dark cloud over everything, just pitch black the sky out. Right. To the point where you can't see her. All you see is her her eyes, her white right. eyes. And then the second a, a lightning strikes and you see her skin glistening and yeah. everything. Glistening that's, from the lightning strike? Yes, oh, that's terrifying Fire. for the person that she's coming for. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just so creepy, but she's the good, like, she's... She's, she's a good, a good guy. Yeah, she's taking she's, out the, the garbage. Yes. that w- It would be amazing. Have it just be like dark and eerie and you're just like, yo, I'm scared of her. Yeah. But I'm very attracted to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Serena says she got to have body. Oh, so I she want. she's going to be cheeked out. I want her to have body. Like I yeah. want big booty storm. Yeah. I'm sick of like, you know, obviously muscular, big booty storm. Yeah. Give us what we see in the comics. Yeah. And she just out here. Yeah. I see a visual of them looking out the window. The sky just slowly starts to get dark. And they just like, yo, what the hell is going on? And you see her, like, you look out the window, you see her just standing in, like, the backyard, eyes white, mm-hmm. just standing there. And then you go, yo, and then they start panicking and fumbling. They look back and she's gone. And then they slowly see the windows start to freeze over. Like the windows are starting to freeze and then they freeze so badly that they shatter and there's just a wind coming in. You don't know where she is. You don't know where she is. And it's just like, yo, they they panicking, they fumbling, they don't know what to do. There's lightning coming in and throughout the house. She can freeze your lungs. She can freeze the, the water moisture in your lungs and kill you that way. So it's so many elements to Storm, and they can make Storm. Somebody said Tiana Taylor. I feel like Tiana Taylor would be a good addition to the movie. Yeah. I don't know about Storm. I see it. I, yeah. I totally see her. I think she would kill as Storm. Right. But also I see Tiana as a good supporting actress. So you, you would like to see Tiana as Storm in the ensemble? Like, or just... Well, I mean, as I, somebody I can, else, as as somebody else, like, oh, gotcha. like maybe like, I don't know who's who be rolling with Storm. I feel like Storm has to have a squad. Storm. Oh, but there was there was another um, character in the Marvel universe. I think it was Marvel that I saw Tayana in. It was a woman who's like a like a tiger, like tigress, I think. Or it was well, they like, have a they have a Tigra. Tigra. She used to be with the West Coast Avengers. I don't know if that's who I'm thinking of. Tiger used to be uh, on the West Coast. Oh, Avengers. I can see her because she has such like cat-like features. Yeah. That I can see her being more of like a cat character. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Because like I think she would kill that because yeah. she has such interesting, strong features that she can does. be like animalistic, like yeah. in such a dope way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would say. Save uh, Tayana for, but yeah. and also like I want somebody thicker. Tayana gives body, but not the kind of body I'm thinking of. Okay. I want. Like, oh, thick. I want Storm to be thick. <laughs> thick. With I want. I want some people hand. in the movie theater uncomfortable because it's it's jiggling while she's fighting. Yeah, people are <laughs> uncomfortable about the big booties, man. Right. People really do get uncomfortable. I posted a, a video. I reposted a video from a comedian named uh, whose video was that? Was it Josh Adams? He was giving props. To girls with big booties doing regular stuff. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, with the <laughs> and it was just there's this girl throwing throwing a football well, mm-hmm. but she just happened to have cakes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Man, I just want to give a shout out to women <laughs> with big booties, but just doing regular shit." Because then 
If you got a big booty out here, you're going to be doing regular shit. This is facts. And we don't highlight that enough. It's always on some twerk or just you posed up and looking back at it. But what you doing on the regular with with the big booty, man? We want to see that. It's always funny when people see me in person, mm-hmm. like at the show, and people would com- comment on it. Yeah. Like, oh, I ain't know. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't turn around a lot of my man, pictures. Man, you, you've been... <laughs> People was hitting me up, texting me like Sabrina's fine. I was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Um, Sabrina's body, out here. Body wise, Serena. Serena's body. Serena she's, Williams. She's got the to muscle. Be, to but be maybe honest, a little less. Nicki Minaj is throwing hell. No. Nah, we just said we want dark. Yeah. Nicki Minaj is light. Or one of the fitness chicks that I'd be following. So Serena Williams has a comic book character body. Oh, 100%. That's how they draw the the superheroes. They draw them like Serena. You know what I mean? Except Serena got more cake than they like to draw. But but that's yeah. realistic. It's real cake. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. That's how, that's how they're built. But anyway, we got to get the hell up out. So ambulance, three and a half saxophones out of five. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in to another session of Verbal Cardio. Shout out to my patron saints in here. We we having fun. We having good times. We talking, asking questions. Thank you so much. Somebody said Megan Stallion. Uh, shout out to Sabrina, mm-hmm. producer extraordinaire. Shout out to Amir on the ones and twos. Uh, don't forget to spread the word about Verbal Cardio. Share it with your friends, man. Get the word out, man. We need the numbers. And uh, thank y'all for tuning in to another session of that Verbal Cardio.